Greetings, fair ghouls and friendly ghosts. Welcome to Give Me Goosebumps. Hosted by your fellow specters as they rediscover and relive the terrors of childhood. But, listeners beware. Actually, <laughs> you know the drill. I'm Nova, and I'm no longer friendly. And I'm May, the good little bitch. <laughs> I was gonna try and say it earnestly, and I couldn't. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Give Me Goosebumps. This week, we're gonna be talking about, if you haven't already guessed from our little opening statement there, we're gonna be talking about Casper, the friendly ghost. And Casper has been around longer than uh, either of us. Longer than... <laughs> a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, what I read was that, because I, I wanted to see a brief history of Casper too, because, you know, obviously my Casper experience is very narrow and very circulated around the, the 95 film that we oh, watched. Oh, yeah. Well, I I did my, I also talked to my grandma about it. Oh my gosh, that's she cool. Can, she has uh, vivid memories of heading over to get uh, Casper and um little lulu then i had to explain the whole thing but yeah let's let me talk about comics for a second because that's actually where casper comes to life for the first time yeah the first time that casper is introduced to the world is via a book in 1939 and then i think i don't remember if i saw that it was a short or a full movie probably a short in 45 and then later was comics wait a second no i thought i, I was almost certain he started from comics first but no i think you're right I trust you. I looked it up like right before we started because I thought it was comics too. I had no idea that it went back until 39. Uh, he really get, gained traction there when Harvey Comics kind of like co-parented him with uh, Famous Studios, which would eventually become Paramount Cartoon Studios. Other animation that they did was like some of the older Marvel cartoons and Superman. Mm -hmm. But they made their bank in the 50s by churning out Harvey Comics character shorts. Mm -hmm. And from there, if you're unfamiliar with Harvey Comics, because I know I only knew Richie Rich and Casper's friends. So it's Richie Rich, Casper, and all Casper's associated friends. And then um, they had their own answer to Little Lulu because they didn't want to pay for rights to Little Lulu. So they stole her and called her Little Audrey. And... Um, they had a lot of just a s oddball assorted characters. Like I make, I make everybody look at Baby Huey now because I just don't understand it. <laughs> like no, really, please at me. I don't understand why anybody ever thought this was funny or something we should show to children. Um, it's really frightening, and I don't understand it. Um, I I love this because I do want to bounce off of it and say that like my my dad's cousin was married to Maddie Simmons. Yeah, Maddie Simmons of um national lampoon uh and he worked on the movie huey's egg hunt or whatever and uh he put his daughter in the final scene with all the kids as like a little cameo <laughs> so i i don't know what you call them like your your dad's cousin's kids are those what is that what a second cousin is i'm not the person to ask for that like I talk to my mom and my brother, and that's, like, it. We just pretend there's nobody else in the family sometimes. <laughs> I do remember, though, like, I, I don't... I think I might have owned Baby Huey's Egg Hunt or Easter Hunt or whatever. Well, yeah, if you had a relative working on it, he was just yeah, handing but it I out. <laughs> I, I think maybe we owned it on VHS, but I did not watch it frequently. <laughs> um, yeah, I wonder why. <laughs> Anyway, Casper doesn't mess with him that often. Uh, you can see him with, like, what, little sweet devil or whatever. Uh, his uncle's, you know, stretch, stinky, and fatso. Um, Wendy the Good Little Witch. Yeah. And I kind of just, that's just how he existed. He gets passed around a lot. Everybody's used him for something at this point. There's no, like casper bible that follows him it's just whatever you want to put in your movie or your advertisement which is why it's really stunning to me that uh you know the uh, cartoons were very much like here's comes casper 
Oh no, he's met someone. They're scared of him. He does some nice stuff. Now they're not scared of him. He goes on his way. So it's it was kind of interesting to see them uh, pivot from that to like, Casper'd like a girlfriend now. <laughs> yeah, I, I wrote down in my notes because I thought it was the funniest thing. And I think we should name the episode Casper the Friends to Lovers Ghost. <laughs> yeah, baby. Let's just get into it. Let's get into Casper 1995. Let's talk about that. And then we'll talk about our next film. Oh, absolutely. So in Casper 1995, uh, Casper is voiced by Malachi Pearson, who did like Full House and some other stuff in the 90s. And after Casper, uh, the cartoon show for Casper, Spooktacular New Adventures. Um, Which does tie in kind of with canon for the mm -hmm. movie, but like not enough. And it also ties in with canon for the train (laughs) It's a lot. It's a lot. But it did look really interesting, and I wouldn't mind if it got put up somewhere for me to watch it. Yeah. Wink, wink, YouTube. (laughs) Uh, So, Malachi Pearson does the voice. What's very bizarre is, you know, if you've seen the end of Casper, you see that for a moment, Casper gets to be a real boy. And it's not the same person. They pulled a hocus pocus on us. Um... And it's Devin Sawa. (laughs) From Final Destination and the cinematic masterpiece, Idle Hands. I mean, these were pre that, but he was still a hardcore boy, I guess. (laughs) What I do think is fun is he is the only portrayal of a human Casper, um, which makes sense because he is Casper the Friendly Ghost and... This movie was like, I don't know, you can be a human for a minute to kiss Christina Ricci, I guess. No rhyme or reason. Yeah, they're like, let's have a blue fairy resolution. I'm like, I get it. They were trying to beef up the lore and there's like, thank God there's no like comic about how Casper died or anything. (laughs) But, uh, so I guess that's how they thought to beef it up. Just, you know, give him a more tragic backstory and stuff. And I think it makes sense. Again, I'm still really hung up on how he went from I want to make friends to like immediately being like, I'd like a girlfriend now. Oh my god, yeah. The the, the pivot is severe. First two minutes of the movie are like boys trying to sneak into the house to get a picture because it's so spooky. And he's like, oh, I'm so lonely. I just want some friends. And then the next scene, he like sees Christina Ricci on TV and falls in love with her. He straight up breaks ghost like lore. Like, I guess we just got to throw all rules out the window, but he's, I thought at least he had to stay stuck in the house. He doesn't. He just like hitches a ride over the um telephone wires. I do too. Which I I fucking loved as a kid and I still love to this day. It's great. <laughs> it's so hilarious. And then he just goes and he manipulates a TV till this um honestly beautiful gorgeous woman that just wants just wants some money. Why won't you guys give her some money? Oh my god, I love Kerrigan. I think she's just like she had a really stupid last name that was also a C. And I wish I'd written it down because it was so stupid. But Kerrigan is the head bitch. And I love her so much. (laughs) I don't feel like she gets enough credit. I feel like Kathy Moriarty should have been the it woman of the 90s. Yeah, she was very, very good in this. She's trying to get an inheritance. Actually, no, I lied. She's trying to get buried treasure. You would think it would be inheritance, but no. Uh, Out of nowhere, there's like some buried treasure or whatever. She thinks there's buried treasure under this house she's inherited. That also happens to be where Casper and his uncles are staying. They don't want to leave. She inherits this house. She doesn't want it. They tell her it's condemned. She tries to get it torn down. So at least like she can sell the land, maybe. I don't know. But House is Haunted. Calls the Ghostbusters. And Aykroyd <laughs> comes out and he just goes, never mind, and leaves. Um, Priest, they do an exorcist bit, you know. She's just, she just does not want this ugly, decrepit house. It's not ugly. I love it so much. I'm sorry, Casper. It's a beautiful set. But she wants beautiful. this, she wants this house gone out of her life. She just wants some money. Um, but it's basically like a worthless piece of property. Um, And then she finds out via the deed being thrown in a fire, as one does, (laughs) 
to find a secret message. Um, she finds out. That oh yeah, the invisible ink. I forgot the invisible <laughs> ink on the deed. <laughs> we, we love, love to, to see, see it. it. <laughs> she finds out that there's buried treasure, um, or rather, her. Um, it's like her assistant. I don't really understand what they Dibs got a d- dynamic is, but they got a dynamic, and he's just simply a simp. Truly, he finds it in the fireplace, and then. He just follows her along, and then he gets her killed, which is very, oh, yeah. well, very girl boss of him. Absolutely. Well, hang on. We're getting a little ahead of ourselves. Too. Know, I'm sorry. I'm all over the place whenever I talk about media. It, yeah, me too. But so Casper makes Kerrigan hire Dr. Harvey, who is a psychotherapist to the ghosts. Which I think is the funniest thing because he seems so, so genuine about it. And then he sees Casper and the ghosts for the first time. And it is like, holy shit, ghosts are real? Yeah. He never, prior to that moment where he actually like physically meets a ghost, like he made that his whole career and he seemed like he actually believed it. It's not like he was genuine. Like it would be different if I believed that Dr. Harvey was a con man. Oh, absolutely not. No, he's he's not. It's really bizarre. He is handling, you know- grief pretty badly and he's thrown himself yeah. into this career because you know dead mom it's true. he just wants to find his it's wife the 90s dead mom um, yeah and uh dr harvey's played by bill pullman and we confirmed he is a dilf yes we had to get a, a third a third eye but he is a dilf I, I'm pretty sure a lot of moms were there just because he was there. Because it, it <laughs> did come out, like, close enough to Sleepless in Seattle that I'm pretty sure everybody was just like, yeah. Well, it was like, oh, man, I gotta go take my kids to see a movie. Hold on. Who's this hunk? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, he's he's not a hunk. But I do think that mothers appreciate um, a nice, um, approachable man. Yeah, and, you know, he's a... He's a little goofy dad. He's a dad. Um, oh, and it's worth mentioning that uh, the house is called Whipstaff Manor. <laughs> I need to know if that's canon to comics or if they made that up. But anyway, I should have looked that up before we did this recording. Uh, Whips, Whipstaff is set in Maine and Christina Ricci has like a little conversation with uh, her dad and Bill Pullman Harvey. Dr. Harvey says, it's not so bad. And she says, yeah, if you're Stephen King. And I was like, oh, burn. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the house, I assumed it was a play on Winchester. Oh, that's a good point. Well, that's what I always thought when I was growing up. But um, I think you're probably right. A beautiful house. Uh, We keep talking about this set. It really is. It's it's the star of the movie. It is. It's its own character. And like, I just want to walk around inside there. Oh, would you like, would you like to do the honors of um, blowing the listener's mind? Whipstaff Manor is also featured in the music video for Backstreet's Back All Right, where they're all partying as monsters in a spooky mansion. Um, I remember that uh, my roommate Val, who will be on this at some point, was like, "Yeah, they it it looks like it," and I was like, "It is the same set," and they didn't believe me, and I showed them on Wikipedia, or maybe it was my sister. I had to tell someone. I was like, "It's that no, that was the set. This was a tie-in, a little bit." <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you build something so impressive, you want to show it off, and that also leads like we were going to talk about it more at the end, but they did do something really cool. That you just don't see a lot anymore where they took parts of the set and they showed how they did the practical effects and like what was computer computer animated and stuff at Universal's and you could just walk there. Oh my gosh. If if you're listening and you are interested in that kind of thing, please. Like there's YouTube I saw, it. there's a YouTube walkthrough, like the quality's just okay because it's the nineties. But it's they really they added like little animatronic effects. They re- basically rebuilt parts of the set so that you could feel like you're walking around inside. It was, it looked so cool. And apparently it was only open for four months. I mean, it was really interesting. And like, the really amount of time that went into months. it. Goodness. Four months. What but the banner outside was like, 
plastic. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> so funny. But I think it's probably because they had all of the, the set pieces and they just like put them back together, basically. I like to pretend they lost the film rights to Casper and they had to take it down because Fox <laughs> it was Fox's turn. Yeah. And they were going to put Casper at Six Flags. But they didn't have the money because the movies didn't make enough money. So mm-hmm. they had to put the Joker in there. Ugh. <laughs> um, Christina Ricci, child actress, incredible. We love to see her. Yeah, she plays Cat in this one. My mom gets mad at me if I don't give the characters names. She says <laughs> we're not trying hard enough and that people will turn it off. And I tried to explain to her that like the names of Goosebumps children are in, you know, they're not important. It's like, oh, that one's Matt, and that one's Chad, and that's Lucy. Like, <laughs> the characters in this are Dr. Harvey, his daughter Kat, Katina Ritchie, Kerrigan, Simpy Simpsimp, who I don't remember his name. Dibs. He's just there to be Simps. Dibs, he's Simps. Um, and then, you know, Stretch, Stinky, and Fatso. And then there's, like, a mean girl in, like, assorted high school students. But you really, again, you forget that this party thing's happening till it's happening. Yeah, and I don't know that the mean girl and her little jock lackey are, like, even named. Nah. Do they even have names? I don't recall even once. Nah. The whole point is that they just play into a trope. Yeah. They're just there, and, like, I'm pretty sure I made this argument last episode, too, where you could just cut the party out. But yeah. I guess kids think parties are cool, so keep them I in I think there. it's like, well, how else can we climax this in a in a way that's, like, not life or death? Yeah. And I, so they made, like, a nice moment right after the, like, yeah. hard choices. Yeah. So I think it makes sense. Um, but it is weird. <laughs> I would have left it on the cutting room floor, and I would have lit Dr. Harvey party with the uncles more. I really liked that plot line. <laughs> they end up kind of adopting him because they feel a little sorry for him, but also then they want to kill him. Like, the uncles are all over the place. True chaotic uh, neutrals. They love Harvey, and Dr. Harvey loves them, and he kisses his homies on the lips goodnight. Yeah, all of them. That's a couple times. Oh, yeah. Oh, let's talk about that. Let's oh, talk yeah. about Fatso uh, pretending to be his dead wife and his his anime titty physics yeah so uh there's a bit here because obviously they learned that this man is emotionally um compromised looking for a dead wife they immediately manipulated fucked up i know but it does leave fucked up it is just how it is they're redeemable in ways yeah but they also don't care about the fleshies no they don't and they shouldn't have to yeah they were here first squatters rights (laughs) absolutely yeah so it actually and we were a little worried about it because um you know guy in a dress jokes usually don't play out very kindly Mm -hmm. they don't age very well this was fine they didn't make any any jokes about nothing homophobic there no it wasn't uh fatso was slaying in that dress yeah Fatso came out serving with the biggest, jiggliest anime titties uh, you'll see. The wobble effects. Yeah, the wobbles were like great. lamination. <laughs> and, you know, they kiss him. They Fatso kisses Dr. Harvey right on the lips. And Dr. Harvey is just like, okay. I guess. Yeah. I guess this is happening to me because then it cuts immediately. <laughs> it cuts immediately. I have a feeling that there had to have been like a reaction there. And they just were like, I don't think we can play this out either way. You know? I think like a forgiveness or like a like a fight. Like I don't I just think that they were like, whatever, just cut it there. And I think that's fine because the comedic timing in this movie is incredible. Oh yeah, for sure. It's so funny. Kerrigan's trying to get him to give these ghosts therapy so they move the hell out of that house and she can get the treasure. Uh it comes out that there's like a whole hidden underground laboratory i guess would be the word huh I, I, yeah yeah i was looking for laboratory but then i kept getting stuck on ride because you ride a little <laughs> roller coaster <laughs> you ride a little roller coaster chair down and you get you get shaved and they shine your shoes and all that stuff and then you get down here and it turns out that 
this is Casper's dad's laboratory. And, uh... And the treasure is actually a machine that can bring people back to life. Yeah, but there's only a couple, like, jars of formula energy. I don't know. I don't know. You can only do it, like, once or twice. I love it because the the movie does not get into the science of how this actually works and all you know is there is a bottle left. Better use it wisely. Yeah, so immediately Kerrigan and Simp are like, okay, well, we're going to have to test it or whatever. Right? Is that how they get to that? How do they even come up with the idea that one of them needs to die? I'm going to be honest, I don't remember. I glazed over during that exact part. Uh, and I'm, then suddenly... Um, split decision. Dead. Split decision. They were like, one of us has to die. Kerrigan's like, simp, bye-bye. And he's like, no! Like, you will die for me. And then um, he pushes her out a window, and then she survives. She gets in a car. She tries to run him over, and he oh, gets yeah. away, and then she ends up on the edge of a cliff, but she doesn't realize she's on the edge of a cliff, and so she just steps she out of like, her Yeah, she steps out to yell at him, and she just fucking falls <laughs> into the ocean. And that's it. She dead now, and she comes back. <laughs> I huge! This down. Yeah, huge ghost. Huge ghost. Big titty. A part of, like, the ghost lore here is that once you die, you don't remember anyone alive. And she, I think she just fucking comes back pissed. And she's like, Dibs, what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> Why'd you kill me? The spite was that, that strong. So she's getting her treasure her, and her life force or whatever. She's trying to do that. Um, While all this is happening, Casper's still flirting with Kat. He really loves her, apparently. He was her pillow at one point. He keeps, you know, forcing her to go places without really telling her what's going to happen. He's throwing her out windows. Oh my god, he's truly just throwing her out windows and then just holding her by the ankle. And then she's just fine with that. I mean, she's not fine with it while it's happening. I'm sorry. No, she's good <laughs> with it afterwards. Uh, and Dr. Harvey's partying with the boys at the pub and... Getting real drunk. Yeah, and he's like, I love y'all. I love y'all so much. And he walks out the doors and into a manhole. Now he's dead, too. <laughs> I just love... We, we talked about it during the movie. Um, the fact that they were like, I guess we have to kill all these characters on, but we can't do it on screen because it's a kid's movie. So I guess they'll just have to fall out of frame. <laughs> and it works. And it, and it is so funny. And it works great both times. It's it's just beautiful. So he's still a little sloshed when he comes to ghost them. So they threw that, we don't remember anything, out the window for these two ghosts for sure. Because plot. And uh, they're all fighting over who gets to use this machine one more time. Uh, I believe Dibs screws her over one more time and she kills him, right? Oh, yeah. Doesn't she just, like, throw him out of the building, basically? Yeah, she just <laughs> yeets him. She's so done with him. And so, then, that's three deaths. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then they get, I mean, here comes to number four, kind of, because she's got everything she wanted. And then somebody points out to her that she no longer has any unfinished business. Yep, and she passes on. Yeah. So, death number four. <laughs> I love that, too. Just such a casual and wonderful way to get rid of a villain. Ugh, I love it's it. It's perfect. I love it. And it's, you know, she was making fun of the whole unfinished business stuff at the in the first place. Um, Casper decides to be very noble, and he sacrifices the one vial of life juice. <laughs> that was that he was that he wanted to use on himself obviously yeah for um, kissing christina ricci yeah so he <laughs> sacrifices it and they save the dad because it had been real real dark if she came out of this movie as an orphan even if she was being raised by her ghost dad um that's no life well yeah part of it is ghosts can't really remember the living so he couldn't remember her at first and then he did but also it's like you don't know if that's going to be a permanent thing and He's still not alive. So we bring him back. And then... Uh, There's Casper, a party all of a sudden. I for- They forgot they were doing a party on the same night all this stuff was happening. I like that the the party that starts 
just right in the midst of the heavy drama. Not even at the end of it. It's not like, oh my god, we finally got all through that and then, you know, the party's here. No, they were just chilling down in the foyer. Yeah, and, you know, the, the whole time bullies be scheming and we're supposed to be, like, concerned about this scheme where literally Cap just watched her dad come back to life. I'm pretty sure she's not going to be phased by whatever the bullies were planning. Yeah. The blue fairy, Cap's mom. And uh, she's like, Casper, you were so nice. That was so, so brave so of, you. of you. I'm going to make you a real boy. Till 10 p.m. Oh, until 10 p.m. And he's like, not even midnight. You're still a boy. And then I guess uh, this party is happening extremely late because Casper goes downstairs as Devin Sawa and he has one single little dance with Christina Ricci where he floats her up into the air and then he gives her a kiss. Um, and then it's suddenly 10 p.m. and he dies again. And all of the kids see the ghost and they scream and they run away. And they go, 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 ghost! And that's, that's Casper 95. Incredible film. I also, I think this is a good time to bring it up because I will be making a poll either right before or right after we air this episode. Oh, yes, of Um, course. Is it creepy or endearing to say, can I keep you? I'll let you decide. I don't like it. (laughs) I... He means well, and it's sweet, yeah. but they're also like, you know. Twelve. Twelve. And Can I keep you? I was like, shut up! I, uh, we, we kept banging our heads against the wall for this one, and I think at the end of the day, sometimes I have to just be like, hey, you're consuming children's media. Right? Just stick out of your butt and beat yourself with it. <laughs> How long's he been? Twelve. Oh my god, I know, right? I think that we sort of were like, yeah, this is probably, he's probably at least a hundred. I guess if we're going with the, you know, very creepy, very creepy. Yeah. I mean, you know, he was at least alive in the thirties because of the book. (laughs) The end. I think he's supposed to be probably a hundred just based off of like some of the context clues in the movie and the way that the inventions were and stuff. I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, the Lazarus machine d- couldn't possibly have been created that long ago. And we have to just fudge with time and rules and science. It's a ghost movie. And just let it go. I'm not yeah. supposed I If Casper's unfinished business is maturing, he's never going to pass on. That's all I'm getting at. So true. So another thing that I really like about the Casper franchise is, you know, the way that ghost physics work or do not work. And I think that's very interesting and very funny. Um, They do uh, have like a moment where they realize that vacuums work on ghosts. Um, And I love that because it directly ties in with the, you know, like the trope of, of vacuums versus ghosts. Uh, It's like a subset of weapons that suck. And they also do like a little bit of weakened by the light in this, but not really, which made me think of, you know, Ghostbusters and obviously Luigi's Mansion. Yeah. And we're going to talk about Luigi's Mansion later, but apparently Ghostbusters did not inspire it. And I thought that was very interesting. Um, But Casper uses these tropes too, which is really fun. And it is... Uh, a huge asset in the video game. Uh, <laughs> I I was a big fan of Casper the, in the 90s as a child. I watched the movie a billion times. I owned a little plastic playhouse. So of, jealous. Of the Whipstaff Manor. And so I wish I still have it. I, I mean, it was one of those things that like, I gave up all of that stuff. Like, when I was like, I'm too old for this. I'm never going to play with it again. Like, I wasn't considering the fact that they were collectibles and stuff. I wish I had. I loved that little Webstaff Manor. Anyway, I had that. I had a Game Boy game. I had a PC game. We're going to be... We'll talk about both a little bit. The PC game was just called Casper, an Interactive Adventure, which was a tie-in for the movie. They claim that Kat and Dr. Harvey are, like, out on vacation or something while this is happening. But Kerrigan is also back. So there's no rules <laughs> to do some name drops. <laughs> um, anyway, it's a point and click adventure. 
where you have to like pick up items and have and figure out like how to get to different parts of the house and Casper's friends are all trapped in the house as ghosts so you have to go around and find them and you use your spooky little camera and you take photos of ghosts to collect at the end and then open the secret room to set them free because Kerrigan locked them up I don't remember why she did that some reason I guess uh, she just wanted to take away the friend part of Casper the Friendly Ghost and go full-blown into, like, Casper the Little Date Boy or whatever the hell <laughs> they were going for. Yeah. <laughs> it's a really great game. The music is great. Um, the visuals are pretty good for the 90s. It's it's very fun. Great length, too. I forgot how long video games used to be, but if you were a kid trying to play this thing, I mean... You got a day's worth of entertainment there for at sure. At least, yeah. It if your parents difficult. let you play for more than an hour at a time. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like we watched a playthrough and the guy knew where all the items were, were already. Kids don't exactly. immediately. Kids don't. <laughs> we didn't really have, like, game facts for a while. No, you had to buy uh, Game Shark and the cheat code games from the Scholastic Book Fair. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I only ever bought one of those, like, cheat magazines, but I have it still for Luigi's Mansion. That's very <laughs> Gold mine as a kid. Yeah, no. Uh, my friend's dad would just print off whatever game guides we needed. So I love that. He would just go to work and then come home and we'd have, like, the entire Sims 2 guidebook. So. That's oh, not nice. Casper, though. Though there are ghosts in Sims games. And I do love The Sims. We can do uh, a bit on uh, Sims, I think, in the future. Because they, there are ghosts and vampires and werewolves. There and we are. Played it as kids. It's definitely ki- we had access to it as children. It ties it together in a little works. bit. It's a little loose. We'll do that one day, though. Um, I also had the Game Boy Color game, which plays one song on like a 30-second <laughs> loop. And it is... Very frustrating, and then soothing, and then frustrating again. And just over and over and over again, you can't decide how much you like or dislike it. Um, Every time you pick up an item, it, like, slaps you in the face with the same little pop-up of Casper being like, That's an apple! Yeah, I know, (laughs) Casper. I just collected three of them. Um, But you do collect tuna sandwiches for some reason that I didn't figure out in the one hour I played yesterday. Uh, you get to go through vents to get to different rooms of the house. Among us. Puzzle pieces. Yeah, it's real sus. It was cute, though. I liked playing it a lot. I never finished it, though, because the music was like that. <laughs> and the way that the puzzles work in the game don't really make any sense. Like, uh, there's no explanation. You just start clicking and you hope for the best. Well, now that you've heard from the game corner, um, shall we get into Casper Meets Wendy, which is not the next movie, but the one after that. And they're not related. You don't have to watch these three in order. This this doesn't matter. The only notable things of two would be Ghost Train. Um, We just watched the Ghost Train opening bit right before this record. And I truly, in my mind's eye, thought it looked better. <laughs> I I was like, yeah, I can imagine the ghost train. And then I saw it and I was like, I did not imagine this ghost train. <laughs> yeah, ghost train. Um, Steve, I uh, believe I forgot about the skull. I'm sorry. The skull <laughs> on the front of the ghost train. I'm literally just being like Steve Gutenberg was in this. Lori Laughlin, the lady from Full House who tried to buy her kids way into college, isn't it? Um, uh-huh. No name, child, actor. Uh, oh, my dude, Wacko Warner, does Fatso from now on, voice-wise. Nice. Yes. That's uh, right. And we have a new voice for Casper as well. They did not call back Malachi Pearson. God knows why. Um, but now it's Jeremy Foley who did it for, um, Spirit, A Spirit Beginning. Was that the the second one called? That's the one we're talking about. Yes, this one we're talking about. And then also in Casper Meets Wendy. Which is the one we're getting to. The last noteworthy person in the second one is, uh, Polly Shore. But guess what? Great news. He was in the third one too, so we chose to watch that. 
Yeah. And his character, I will say, I think is better in the third one. <laughs> yeah, you know, from the 10th Circuit Club. As if that may, makes anything. Somehow, Casper Meets Wendy ends up with better graphics than uh, Spirited Awakening, but obviously way worse than what we are accustomed to. For whatever reason, they still decide to go big and introduce the ghosts via a really long Close Encounters of the Third Kind parody. That's so long. long. You're like, what is the vibe here? It went on for so long, I had to question whether it was a Close Encounters of the Third Kind parody. It went on for that long, and I wasn't convinced until they they start doing the notes or whatever. Yeah. And then everybody's like, ghosts, and then it's... Wait, they're like, aliens! And then it's ghosts. And then it's ghosts. And everyone's like, "Ah!" Okay. (laughs) That's how you get there. Uh... Uh. Did you write down the names of the ants? I didn't. I'm pulling up the wiki as well. And here's here's why. I wrote down, first and foremost, Kathy Moriarty. The yeah. bitch is back. <laughs> she plays the main ant, unrelated to Kerrigan. They just don't she's ever... Back. She's just here, and she, she kills it again. Um, I did write down, because I did not write down their names, she's Morgan been- Ben Sanderson sisters... But we switched hair colors, yeah. and their costumes are so tacky. And they are, but like the longer the movie goes on, the more you're like, "Oh hell yeah!" The costumes are so tacky. Like they just keep it getting fits. dumber and like it fits. It's so great. It so, really fits their personalities. Uh, Wendy, the good little witch, is played by Hilary Duff, and this is her first role. Um, I believe it came out like. A couple days before she turned. I think you said 11. But maybe Yeah, I'm she wrong. was 10 when it was released. And it was released six days before her 11th birthday. <laughs> yeah. Um, it didn't get good reviews. But you know what? I liked, I liked it. It's, it's dumb. It's cheesy. It's silly. It's so cheesy. It's so gimmicky. But it's, I love it's it. cute. It's endearing. Yeah, it's... We can't all expect Casper 95. Not everything's <sighs> yeah. going to be a movie release. Yeah. But, uh... Wendy lives with her three aunts, uh, Gert, which is Kathy Moriarty, uh, Shelley Duvall, who plays Gabby, and then I do not know who Terry Gar is, but she's Fanny. There you go, Mom. Those are the names of the aunts. <laughs> anyway, uh, Hillary, Hillary Duff, <laughs> Wendy is uh, getting ready to come of age, and she's going, as she... Not come of age, but she's getting ready to come into her magical powers, and um, that tips off the evil warlock bad guy named Desmond Spellman. He's played by George Hamilton, who is honestly just famous for being tan, and he was certainly tan in this. Somebody who wants to come for me and be like, he was in a lot of other stuff. I'm just like, I, I don't care. He's tan. <laughs> He's tan. I was just the whole movie, I was just pretty convinced that he was trying to do... Um, a Vincent Price impression. Yeah. He was fun. It was fun. He had a good time. Um, his magic mirror, Polly Shore, oh, yes. pops up and is like, hey, you're about to be in the least powerful. There's a good little witch. She's gonna do something that's fucking unheard of, yo. She is gonna befriend a ghost. And she's gonna be better than you. And he, obviously he's like, okay, well I'm gonna kill this kid. I'm gonna kidnap this kid, take her powers. The ants catch wind of it. They all decide nobody can do any big, big magic anymore, and they go on vacation. Which is also, conveniently, what uh, Casper and his uncles are doing. And now they're all in this, like, resortish town. Uh, there's, like, they have pools and clubs, but also there's a suburb, like, suburbia place she goes and they do their montage at so like uh-huh it truly is a real hodgepodge of whatever they got the rights to film in there is like drama with a side character who's kind of a bully and is like sort of following her around and his name was josh yeah uh so necessary to the plot josh lays eyes on wendy and is literally like okay you're going to me with this damn yeah, you're my girlfriend now. Immediately is like, actually, I'm gonna be mean to you now. And uh, as we established about Casper 95, 
Casper isn't there to just be friends with Wendy. No. Oh uh, my god. He's putting first- the moves on this girl again. And it's very funny because this is a prequel. So, <laughs> they call it a prequel. So that means he turns around and he does the exact, pretty much the exact same playbook again on Cat. So what a role I just model. think it's so funny because like the first part of the movie, um, you think, okay, they're just going to be friends. And then immediately Casper starts flirting and it's like, dude. And she does give him a little kiss on his little ghost face. So good news, there's no live, real person kissing 10-year-old Hilary Duff. (laughs) Jesus, thank you. Um, And it's just like a little peck on the cheek, the little ghost cheek of Casper, and then it's over. I think it was on the cheek. I'm believing it's on the cheek. Yeah. They get into shenanigans. The aunts and uncles date each other at one point. They're trying, Casper and Winnie are trying to Get everybody to get along. Can we talk about the fact that the whole first thing about Casper is how he wants to be alive again. And then this movie is like, you can just possess living people for a while. Oh, yeah. Ghost rules change. Here's the thing. Those three actors who played Stretch, Stinky, and Fatso in their human forms, impeccable character actors. Oh, yeah. One of them was Michael McDonald, I believe. That's, um... Look what I can do! Yeah, that's um the dude from Mad TV. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, they were all that was very, very animated. It was great. Yeah, it was the same voices, obviously. It did feel like they crashed a wedding. I love how movies in the '90s, etc., just had dances, all ages. That can't be a thing. I guess they do that sort of thing at resorts but you're absolutely right because oh, true. it was like a resort town it's just it's so light on the resort part that yeah. you really just forget about it because it really is just like they're living in this house now yeah they're not supposed to use any magic but obviously the ants are going to keep using magic they can't use any big magic so they can't do anything about the ghosts so oh, my favorite the- thing is the ants are like yeah we're going to keep using magic but wendy if you even fucking think about it i'll snap this wand in two well, yeah, because Wendy's the one that's, like, lighting a flare-up every time she does a big yeah, magic. true. I love her outfits. That was a big takeaway. Oh she was yeah. super cute. And I liked all the costumes, honestly. The campiness really lends to these caricatures of women at times. Yeah. <laughs> really, I love the ants. I say that with love. I do. I love them. The ants and uncles gotta work together to save um, Casper and Wendy. Yeah, because at the end of the day, those are their kids. Yeah. You know, and they both have these, like, little mirroring things. I mean, it's a little sad because you see the mirror of the ghosts. And uh, the ants are all hugging Wendy at the end. They're like, we're so glad you're alive. And then all the uncles and Casper are just floating there. And I'm like, give him a hug. They are adjusting to the good guy roles they got to play in this movie. True. Uh, yeah, no, they saved the kids, and I'm pretty sure they just curb-stopped Desmond into the portal he was trying to send them into. Yeah. Everything's resolved. Polly Shore pops up, and he's like, you're the greatest witch of all! Congratulations! You did it! You made friends with a ghost. And then- yeah. Oh yeah, ghosts and witches hate each other in this universe. Just no real reason. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so everybody gets- Gets ready to say bye to them. And the ants are like, yo, we had a good time, honestly, swerving with you ghosts. And the ghosts are like, yeah, let me know if you want to f- <laughs> let me know if you want to fuck around one more time. And then Wendy's like, come on over here. I'll give you a little kissy kiss, Casper. And so <laughs> that's a that's a family situation I didn't want to think about much longer. I'm glad it ended after that. And there was no Casper meets Wendy too. No, they really wasn't. And I think they were really trying to, um, because they assumed, and Universal assumed this too, they assumed that they would be making a Casper 2. And then these went and shit the bed so hard and made no money. Yeah. That they were like, I don't think we want to do this anymore. Plus, Christina Ricci was, Ricci was kind of like, um, it has been five years. Yeah. Do I want to do this again? And She's like, I'm a teen now. Yeah. <laughs> and the, again, how would have the age how would aging have worked? Because Casper would still be 12 and in love with her. Oh god, I don't want to think about that. I'm glad there was never a Casper too, because that's what I was thinking about when I was watching it. 
Yeah, me too. And, you know, sometimes I wonder if that's why they were trying to bring Wendy into things. But then I sat down and I'm like, look, there are only so many Harvey comics characters. Little devil, little baby devil is on hot sauce bottles or whatever. Yeah. There's only so many things they can pull from when Wendy is literally gender flipped Casper. That's fine. I'm not complaining. I love witches. Therefore, as a child, I loved this movie. It's not as bad as I thought it would be watching it as an adult. It's goofy. Yeah, it it was cute still. Casper 95, however... Oh my god. Masterpiece. Incredible masterpiece. Thank you so much. The effects still are still pretty impressive. You know, they're not it the best. It still looks pretty good. Yeah. I mean, the fact, uh, my only complaint is I, I don't like that their bodies, like, are sort of soft edged and feathery and stuff because they're ghosts. And then their eyes are hard, like plastic baby dolls. Yeah, but at least they pulled Shiny. it off. Pulled it off it better than the good. one we tried to watch a second ago because we picked oh, up a Lord Casper Scare School or whatever. Yeah, yes, Casper Scare School. School. Good God, uh, nightmares. It's just so ugly. I, I mean, I will say, uh, casting Devin Werkheiser, that was the moment. <laughs> they hit that moment. I didn't know it existed, but if I had, I would have watched it maybe, and then I would have seen how ugly it was, and then I would have stopped watching it. But it was a movie. And the, and the movie was spun off into a TV show on Cartoon Network for a little bit. But yeah, I hope it was really better. ugly. <laughs> it was really ugly and it's especially disheartening because, like, Casper's Haunted Christmas didn't look that bad. It was okay. Like, it wasn't the best. It was the first time they kind of did it all CGI yeah. and abandoned this, like, live-action kid thing. It was fine. I thought it was cute. Spooky was there. Oh, by the yeah. way, there's, like, a bizarro Casper. And he has a Brooklyn ass- accent and freckles and a little bowler hat and a black nose and his name is Spooky. <laughs> He's only really he only really pops up when they need like yet another antagonist for Casper or just you know as like a bit because I I made May watch a cartoon I never even knew existed before I started all this on Netflix called Harvey Girls Forever and it's about the Harvey Comics characters. Um, it focuses on Little Dot. A little Berta or Big Berta or whatever, and um, little Audrey and their adventures. Or is it Aubrey? I literally don't care. It should have been little Lulu, and I'm still really <laughs> upset about it. Uh, it was cute, although it, it was. was very weird hearing Bobby Moynihan's voice. Yeah, out of it was Casper. Ba- Casper was Bobby Moynihan. He did fine, but I think it- that he has the vibe, but his voice is just like too deep. Like, I did not believe that he was a soul of a 12-year-old. Yeah, Although yeah. I like hearing his goofy little voice. Yeah, he did fine in that, but, like, comparatively not very childlike. But that's, like, I know uh, I know. I saw Captain Underpants, the Captain Underpants movie, and Thomas Middleditch and Kevin Hart being the kids really did take me out of it at times because it was yeah. super deep. This didn't bother me as much, probably because it was 30 minutes and I like Bobby Moynihan a lot. Yeah. And his feet are back. I am a big fan of Casper's little feet. I think they Me sent him too. apart from other ghosts. I understand why they would get rid of his little feet because then he doesn't look like a ghost. But I liked that about it. Yeah, and he can still float around and stuff. Yeah, and it if looks you're looking, like he's wearing a little onesie. If you're looking for a cute time, there's a Casper episode just hidden in the final season of Harvey Girls. Um, Richie Rich is there. Would you like to make your very good joke again? I do not remember what my joke was. Uh, what was my it, joke? It had to do with... I have to look up his name. It, I wish I'd it, written it down. <laughs> it's not Randy. What's what's this Quaid? Oh, Jack Quaid? Yeah, it had to do with, oh, Jack Quaid, nepotism Hollywood baby, playing Richie Rich, real stretch. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Basically almost identical to what I just said, but, you know, more deadpan yeah. out of nowhere. <laughs> I was just like, hey, every, hey, we'll watch this episode. It's really cute. And we're watching it, and then I'll, I just, out of nowhere, yeah, nepotism, <laughs> baby. Real stretch here. But I am glad that they weren't trying to be like, Richie Rich died. And that's how Casper was made. Yeah. That's dumb. That's dumb. I don't like it. I know the big thing was Richie Rich is the nice billionaire. False. 
There are no nice There are no good billionaires. Oh my god, I lied. I think he was just a millionaire. Wait. No, he was a billionaire. Maybe he's a trillionaire. I remember thinking that it sounded really far off as a child, but now that we have, um, you know, absolutely Well, then it was probably monsters. a million, because million isn't... God, I hate saying this. Million isn't that much comparatively. Uh, that's what I was thinking when I was thinking of it But again. saying that, it's like a million dollars is a lot for me. It's too much money for me to comprehend, but I know yeah. that, like, it's not unreasonable. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Richie Rich, people. Richie Rich and capitalism, a horror story for another day for a podcast about things that are scary for adults. But for today, I think we have wrapped up Casper. Oh wait, no, no, no. Um, the most '90s thing about Casper. Oh, Tyants, Wendy. No, 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 no. Do you remember the little magic that she does to convince Casper that she's really a witch? refresh me there was so much happening in this movie we didn't even talk about how her broom walks around sometimes oh my god cgi broom i love that guy i wish that it was more of a character you know what i mean yeah i um, think that should have been more of a character anyway yeah it's her real sidekick in the comics so it was kind of like i get it budgeting but like yeah because casper had to be the sidekick yeah (sighs) but anyway she makes a cardboard cutout of Santa do a little dance <laughs> to a hip hop song because it's the nineties. <laughs> Lest you forget. They're like, yo, you remember that dancing baby from Allie McBeal? Everybody went nuts over. Check this shit out. <laughs> it wasn't hurting anybody. Just, just my own feelings. If I thought too hard about Casper trying to mack all these girls. Yeah. And then more sad, remembering he died of pneumonia. <laughs> just sledding outside so much. <laughs> he just loved to sled that little dude. He was just shredding those slopes. <laughs> R.I.P. God, what a legend. Shredded to death. Hey, you can edit this if you're uncomfortable, but I do have to say, keep thotting it up in heaven, King. I miss you every day. That stays in. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So let's wrap up this episode. If you want to find us on social media, we're at GMGB podcast on Twitter. You can email us at GMGB podcast at Gmail. If you have any thoughts, questions, concerns, want to say hi to Franz, want to tell us to watch something in particular. Go for it. Want to make sure Val has to watch Hubie Halloween. I don't know when this is going to post before Halloween for sure. This posts around my birthday. Retweet us, engage, and we'll capture Val and make them watch Hubie Halloween. Yeah, that's a threat. For those of you who are still sticking around, uh, I'm going to tell another little campfire story. Are you ready, Nova? Oh, always. Enlighten me. Take me on a journey. This one's called The Ghostly Little Girl. Near the turn of the century, in the seacoast town of Monterey, California, lived a widowed fisherman, Richard Coulter, and his young daughter, Maria. Their home was a weather-beaten shack of boards with a tin roof on the shore some distance from town. Maria Coulter was a pretty but strong-willed little girl. Her father worked hard fishing for sardines, salmon, cod, tuna, and yellowtail in Monterey Bay and the Pacific Ocean, so that Maria could go to the Catholic school in town. She was very popular with the other girls who were pupils there, though a few parents did not approve of someone whose father was so poor. Maria's closest friends were Annie Kelly, Susan Cook, and Catherine Hopper. In the early spring, Maria was absent from school for several days. Her three friends asked their teachers about it, but they were told only that Maria and her father had sailed out of Monterey Bay three days before. Their boat had last been seen by another fisherman around noon beyond Point Lobos. But I saw her this morning on my way to school, Annie Kelly told Susan Cook and Catherine Hopper. She was standing across the street watching me. I waved to her, but she didn't wave back. I don't think she saw me because she ran away right after that. I didn't see her again. But once again, Maria's desk at school was empty. As her three friends walked home, they talked about her absence. Maybe her father is sick and she has to take care of him, Annie suggested. Maybe she got sick herself, Susan said. 
Maybe she was starting to come to school today and had to head back home. I think we should go and see what's happened to her, said Catherine decisively. The girls knew their friend lived with her father in a shanty outside of Monterey. They decided to pay a visit as soon as school was over, but it was a long walk and they took their time, poking along the beach. It was very late in the day when, far far down along the shore, they could see a single cabin, the back of which was built on stilts that extended down into the water. I'll bet that's Maria's house, said Annie. I hope so, said Susan, because it's getting pretty late. I'll be in trouble if I don't get home by supper. Maybe we shouldn't go, said Annie. I don't see any lights. Don't be silly, said Catherine impatiently. We've come this far, but it is getting awfully late, added Susan. I just want to see how Maria is. Then we can go right home. But by the time they reached the rundown shack, a thick, wet evening fog had crept in, heavy with the tang of salt. Walking softly and whispering to each other, the three friends climbed the stairs to the rickety front porch. It was piled high with rotting fishing nets, rusted crabbing cages, buckets, and odd bits of rope and canvas. Around the corner of the house, they could see a little pier, but no boat was tied to it. Everything was quiet, except for the roar of waves hitting the shore. I don't think there's anyone home. Let's go, urged Annie, as the haunting call of a seagull cut through the foggy air. The mist was swirling so thickly around them that they could no longer see the distant roofs of Monterey. Tentacles of fog were tangling in the live oaks and pines far up the hillside. Don't be a ninny, hissed Catherine. Boldly, she knocked one, two, three times on the door. When there was no response, she pounded on the door even louder. Let's look through a window, suggested Susan. This seemed like a good idea, since clearly no one was coming to answer the door. Tiptoeing to the nearest window, the girls peeked in past ragged curtains. At first, all they saw was empty room, with a few sad pieces of furniture scattered around. An unlit kerosene lantern stood in the middle of a wooden table. Opposite the window was a single closed door. Suddenly, a strange glow began to seep under the closed door. Then the door opened slowly, and they could see Maria framed in the glow of the unearthly light. She was standing upright, but her eyes were closed, as if she were in a deep sleep. Without a sound, the girl, like a sleepwalker, crossed the room. A moment later, the three friends on the porch heard the cabin's front door unlocked with a loud click, then pulled open with a squeal because the damp had swollen the wood. Annie, Susan, and Catherine looked at one another for a moment. Then they went to the open door and peered through. The room inside was empty again, with only a faint silver-gray light coming through the streaked windows. The door on the far side of the wall was closed, though they could still see a line of curious light beneath it. Their friend had vanished. She must have gone back into the other room, said Susan. Why is she playing tricks on us, said Annie. I don't think we should stay here anymore. But Catherine walked bravely into the room and yelled, Maria, we just want to say hello, you can come out. She was reaching for the knob of the closed door when something stopped her. There was a smell of salt water so strong that she could almost taste it. The odor of fish was strong enough to make Susan hold her nose. The roar of the ocean filled the room as though it was circling the house outside. Catherine, Annie said, her voice a little more than a squeak. Look, the door! Water was beginning to seep underneath, soaking the worn carpet. The three girls stepped back, afraid to let it touch their shoes. Abruptly, they were startled by a crash, like a huge wave hitting the other side of the door. It amazed them that the door didn't splinter from the impact. A moment later, a second blow shuddered the door. The three friends just gaped, too frightened to move. In the silence that followed, broken only by the gurgle of the water still seeping out from under the door, they heard a ghostly voice from the other side. It sounded like someone calling from underwater. Catherine, it said. Annie, Susan, I knew you'd come looking for me. I'll be with you in just a minute. There was a last boom against the door, then a deep silence fell over the room that smelled of fish and salt and seaweed. The door began to open. There was silver light all around it. The puddle of water on the floor looked like a tide pool in the moonlight. They saw a little girl's hand, pale as white fish, wet and wrinkled as something that has lain in the water too long. Terrified, the three girls ran from the shack as fast as they could out into the thick, wet fog. They didn't stop running until they were back in their own neighborhood. There, while they caught their breath, they tried to make some sense of their frightening experience. 
Had Maria been playing a trick on them? If so, why? But that didn't explain the strange light and the sound and the smell of the ocean inside the house or the crash of the waves against the closed door. Finally, confused and frightened, the girls decided to tell their parents what they had seen. Richard Coulter's boat sank three days ago. They found his body washed ashore near Point Lobos, but his little girl Maria drowned with him and they haven't found her body yet. Ooh. Spooky. I would like to say that I think it would have been funny if you'd been like, I'm not as talented. (laughs) Yeah, I'm a man of a thousand voices, and they all sound like Cher. Can you do an underwater share for me? Okay, hang on. Be a mess for you to edit later. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I love that. What a gift. Oh man, anyone who sat through that story just got to hear that, so it was all worth it in the end. <laughs> Anytime. So that's the official end of the episode. Stay strange. And we'll see you on the other side.